Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. I've got uh, our, one of our usuals. Mark Edelman is on the line. We've got usual. a special. Got a, what? Usual? I'm not usual. I'm extraordinary. <laughs> well, I just mean you're a regular. That's what okay. I should have said. Uh, we've also got... Uh, <laughs> you, you got me all thrown off, Mark. I got this whole, I got this whole intro thing. Uh, we've, we've got PGI Tour caddy Kip Henley on the line as well. We're going to talk to Kip today. He is currently... On the back for Stuart Sink, previously uh, caddied for Vijay Singh, Brian Gay, and Austin Cook. And if you're listening to this, you probably know him uh, from Twitter, at Kip Henley. So, Kip, how are we doing today, man? Doing great, boys. Good. Great to be on with you, boys. What What is this? What has the last two weeks been like? I mean, it's it's such a, you know, I think from a, Mark and I see it from a, from a media perspective. So, we're just like, you know, I was watching the 2011 Masters final round with my wife last night. I'm just trying to consume any kind of golf that I can. What's it been like for you? It's been kind of, you know, scary as much as anything because of not knowing the future. But, uh, you know, as far as sitting around, God, I'm a pro at that. When I'm not caddy, man, I'm sitting somewhere. So. <laughs> You've been I talk about a pro. I see you've been uh, you've been increasing your presence. Well, not that your presence on Twitter was not increased, but but I see you roasting a few golf swings right now. Big, are you are you leading the trend or are you following Max Homer's lead? Oh no, I was listening. Uh, I got I caught a lot of heat for copying uh, Max, and Max is incredible what he does. But Kipper was I was roasting golf swings seven or eight years ago, and I started in an airport, bored out of my brains, and I said. I had a big old layer. I said, send me some swings and don't get your feelings hurt. And I, so Max, I don't know if Max ever saw me do it, but I did it a long time ago. But Max took it to a new level. He was awesome on there. Okay, well, I'm going to do this now, and I'm doing this for my good buddy, Kyle Porter, who is the chairman of the Jordan Spieth fan club. Uh, you I wanna love have it. Jordan Spieth's golf swing right now? Why, wait, why do we have to always bring this up? Why not? <laughs> it feels like it feels... Uh, it feels mean spirited. <laughs> it's not mean spirited at all. I'm part of the uh, Jordan Speed fan club. I love that kid and his caddy. Me and Mikey are big bodies. All right, we'll have a go. Yeah. Oh, you want me to like yeah. dissecting? Give us your opinions on Jordan Speed's game right now. Well, here, here here's the deal. And I even tweeted it out there. You know, like three weeks ago, when they are even a month ago, when they said something that we're making this grip change. Man, for the last like year or so, I've been giggling at with you know the players. I'm such a look at look at Jordan's grip. I mean, get close and look at it. His grip was just like a twenty handicappers. I mean, it had gotten just awfully weak and it's way underneath. Off. You're right. Most man. of his right hand wasn't even on the grip. I go, how can they let him hold the club like that? It has to be. And they said they made the announcement, uh, you know, two maybe two or three months ago. Hey, we're making a, a grip change. And I text Michael right away. I said, "Man, that's going to be the key to getting that guy back on the map." You watch. So he seems he seems like things are trending upward a little bit right now, right? No doubt. But 
And I also tweeted, just so I didn't throw rocks at Jordan, I'm a huge fan of Jordan's and, and Mikey's, but I said, the guy, the, the guy's a champion because of his brain, not his grip, but mm-hmm. you have to have some tools to work with, you know, but the guy's a champion because of his mind and his putting and his, that's, he'll, he'll be back. I mean, he probably could have come back with a crap grip, but I, it was looking really rough there for a bit, but this will be all positive for him. I, I, I look for him to have a huge closing summer here. I'm curious about when you talk about, you know, discussing Jordan Spieth's grip, how much do do caddies, how much do you guys talk about players and where they're at and what they're doing and, and how much success they're having or not having? Is that a big part of the conversation or, or is it uh, just kind of come up whenever? It's mostly just with your buds. You'll talk about it. You'll, you'll talk about each player and uh, their attitude and, and their crappy game or their good game and occasionally uh you know, <laughs> you know there's a few out there that just <laughs> misery loves company i guess right <laughs> so my, one of my favorite things to say you know when i finally gave up the, the you know play and chasing my dream and became a full-time caddy and you know i started with eric actually for a few events and then wasn't long into that i got to move over to brian gay's bag which was a huge blessing but i would always be on the range you know i was still fresh off of giving up you know and I would be on the range, and I would look down, like, I'd see Goitus down there, and I'd tell Brian Gay, are you telling me I can't beat that guy right there? Look at that. <laughs> because Goitus is a great dude, and, and this had crap. You know, he had he had 15 handicapper action, but he got it done, you know, and he putted like a genius. And But I, that when I first got out there, it was more of that. It's like, God, look how crappy that guy is. I can't beat him. Why, why is he out here and I'm not? You know, I tried hard for with both hands for a long time before I finally gave it up. Hey, I well, want to ask you, sorry, sorry, Kyle, I, I want to ask you this one too, that, I mean, you were a tremendous player. I mean, you still, I think in the Tennessee State golf record books, Kip Henley or Kelvin Henley's name there is at the top of all of them. Uh, hey, I, I got to ask you this. So for some, you know, young player who's battling, who's like, well, maybe I'll go and caddy for a little while on the PGA Tour. I mean, how does, how does one go about this? And, and what advice would you give to someone from that point of view? Well, I got my standard line that I tell everybody. They, you know, they'll tweet to me or ask me in interviews, "Kip, how do you become a caddy on the PJ Tour?" I always say, "Fail at everything in your whole life." That's how I, <laughs> that's how I became one. But uh, guys wanting to go caddy, uh, you know, if you get a, I was, I always, you know, I have club caddies ask me all the time, Mark, how do you get become a regular tour guy? I want to caddy on tour, and I go, "Not really, you don't." I mean, there's. There's probably 60 or 70% of us caddies live paycheck to paycheck, you know. You have that, that you know, the top 30 or 40, 50% that they're making money, and then the top 10 are killing it. Mm-hmm. But And you'll see a handful of caddies that stay in there, and they're always killing it. But then guys, you know, like I went in there once. I went in there with Cookie for a little while, and me and Brian were up there a lot. But I spent, I, I guarantee you, half my, half my caddy years, I've been at it 15 years now, Half of them, I stay pretty much paycheck to paycheck all the years I caddy, truth, truthfully. And the best advice you can give is find a good bag, right? Find a great bag or don't do it. I mean, if, if you ain't, and I'll tell them also, how do you get to be a caddy on the PGA Tour? Have a friend make the PGA Tour now. That's pretty much, you mm-hmm. can, guys do, you know, when I first came out 15 years ago, there was a lot of, you know, caddy changing. Guys would get in, get out, get in, get out, and move from bag to bag to bag. 
and you know guys could work the lot and have a chance of getting a back not anymore these guys man these caddies are too good at what they do and they guard those bags with their lives now and there's just i mean you'll see the caddies change you know they just had a little before we went on break uh there was some you know caddy carousel was going on pretty good even with a few of the top guys but it was guys switching inside no one coming from the outside and getting bags well you know, very, very few guys come. You know, a few friends came in, and a couple of the Korean guys, that hurt the American caddies. A couple of the, one of the Korean guys, you know, they always wanted the American caddies, you know. I guess mm-hmm. just to have the, the the knowledge of the courses and everything. And then this last guy, I don't know who did it, but he brought his Korean buddy over, and they won. So now I think all the Koreans are going to start <laughs> dunking the American caddies now. I'm nervous about it, my buddies, so we'll see. I want to go back to the Brian Gay thing because you were on his back for for quite a while, as I remember. And I think that, you know, I think fans look at somebody like Brian Gay and they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, he's fine. You know, he's okay. He'll pop up every once in a while. Explain to people, like, how good somebody like Brian Gay is to to do what he does for that long a period of time and how it doesn't doesn't really – I don't think that's reflected in the way it comes across either on television or how he relates to some of the bigger stars. And Brian Gay is what he's done is amazing. You know, when I worked for him, they say he's added some yardage. Now he changes golf swing, but man, he went into a three year tailspin chasing distance, you know, but when I was with him, we spent our first five years together with zero swing changes but at that point in our career, I mean, he was rolling then. We, I mean, we had a great five years together. But I stayed with him off and on for 10. And uh, what he does is amazing. When I was with him those first five years, he flew it. I'm telling you, you could stand out there at 249 yards and catch nine out of 10 balls in your hat like this right here. I mean, mm. he was dead straight. And he couldn't fly at 250. If it's 250, he had to have tailwind. He's, he flew at 249. I know for sure. I watched it solid. So – but the, the guy's managed to keep his car for 20 years, and people have no concept of what kind of ball striker that guy yeah. is. I mean, it's a sickening. And if he's if he's got if he's 80 yards and in with that sand wedge or that lob wedge, it's like me hitting 20 foot putts. Is the way the ball looks like it's going through the hole. He's dynamite, you know. And 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 I've always said that he, the straightforward pitch. He's the best that ever walked the earth on just a straightforward pitch. He's not. He was always just okay at like sending it way up in the air or, you know, bump and run. When he got creative, he wasn't as uh, as talented. But straightforward, right in front of you, tough pitch off a tight lie, into the grain, every time money. So, he was and, pretty and, full in greens as well, right? Uh, inside of eight feet, he might be the best to ever walk the earth as well. I mean, you got to talk about him with Faxon and – they, they don't get mentioned because the guy flies under the radar. You know, I was lucky. I had four wins with BG, and I swear it's like every time he got a win, something major happened in the world, like not 9-11, but stuff, something like that. So he would win, and then no one – we would, he would, you know, no one's watching the tube. So that guy flies under the radar like crazy. People didn't know who he – a lot of – you know, only the big giant golf nuts know who Brian Gay is. <laughs> uh, so you said – you talk about his – ability to, to ball strike at, at that level people don't really understand who are the guys that when you're out on the range you're like oh man that's that's special like that like that's a different level of ball striking than than everybody else out here well one of my favorite ones all time to watch hit balls there's two guys that come to mind immediately boo 
And, yeah. uh, you know, I worked for Boo for a little bit and Boo's ball striking was sicko. And then, <laughs> uh, Willie Mack, Will McKenzie. I mean, I used to love wow. to watch that guy hit balls, man. He was, he was really a special ball hitter, but anytime you're around the bigger guys like Tiger or even, uh, Ernie Ailes, man, they, you know, it's, you know what, you know what went underappreciated, you know, I'm with Stuart Sink now for like nine or 10 events. That's somebody that's super uh, underrated for his ball hitting. I mean, that guy, his his divots that far in front of his golf ball with a six iron. And, I mean, he gets that four, five, and six iron in his hand. I mean, all clubs, even his lob wedge. But that guy is money every time, right on the back of the ball. And I swear he is, you know, I worked for VJ for like five events. That was hell on earth. But I worked for <laughs> VJ for five events. And he was amazing out of fairway bunkers. But I'm telling you, Stuart Sink out of the fairway bunkers, I'd rather have him with a perfect line in the middle of the bunker than in the middle of the fairway. He's, he blows my mind what he does out of the – there's no miss hits, all solid contacts. He's not picking them or anything. He's just nailing the back of the ball, you know. I always – when I was such a bad ball striker, I would just try and sweep it out of the fairway bunkers. Not him. He's got a divot and not on the back of the ball. And it's getting it when it's coming out of there. So Stuart Sink is a way underrated ball hitter. You know, you mentioned Ernie Els there. I, I saw a video on Twitter today of his, I think European Tour put it out there, of his swing. And, I mean, I just I just sat there and watched it on a loop for like two I minutes. Where may my children not go to heaven. I watched it. I bet I watched it 20 times right in a row just <laughs> like you did. Wasn't it beautiful? It's oh, incredible. Hey, well, wait, and, I got to play junior golf against this dude. I've been singing way longer than you guys. Oh, that's right. But, that's right. Hold, He's a South African boy. He's amazing, isn't he? Hold, so, hold on. I, 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 think, I think that – when we think about the Tiger era, we think, oh, how like what did Phil lose out on because of Tiger? Right. I, I think it's Ernie. I think Ernie's. Ernie I think Ernie's beaten. Yeah, and and I think I I just I wonder what it looks like if you drop him into any other era. And I mean, he was amazing as it was. Obviously, won a bunch of majors even in the Tiger era. Right. But man, his ball striking was just, it was a joke. Kyle, yes, trivia for you. Hey, hey, Kip, so you know, Kyle always loves this trivia at me just in the blink of an eye. So be, be ready for this, okay? I love it. So in 2000, Kyle, uh, Fernie Els did what in relation to Tiger Woods? What were his finishes? Well, he, he finished second at Pebble. All of them. He finished second all four times. Did he finish second at all of them? <laughs> yeah. I didn't Did I he didn't really? Know. Uh, as far as I know, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to get some Twitter hate if he does. If he did, if, if memory serves me, that's a long time ago. I thought Jimenez or Jimenez or Miguel Angel finished second at Pebble. I thought to that. Uh, they, no, he came, came up there, but Ernie was there. Was he? Ernie I think is. they might have. I think they might have tied for a second there. Actually, you know what else? You know, what I always respect about Ernie. Ernie was the first stud in the era of you know Tiger. The first stud to go. <laughs> this guy's better than everybody else. You know, Colin Montgomery, he fought against it and tried to say, you know, he can be beat, and he got his tail handed to him a bunch of times. By but Ernie was the first major gun to go, this guy is is up here, we're down here. He he bowed down to Tiger. I loved how he was respectful of what he, he knew. He just knew, good Lord, I can't beat the guy. Yeah, they finished, uh, uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez and Ernie Els finished second at Pebble in 2000. They were both three over 287. <laughs> John John Houston was four over 288. Lee Westwood, Padraig Harrington, five over, and Tiger was 12 under. And I've gotten yeah. slapped and I've gotten slapped across my knuckles by our producer, Jacob, who said Ernie finished second in three of the four, and the PGA finished down the field some. 
But the PGA didn't count it that year anyway, so that's fine. The PGA didn't count that year. What, <laughs> what do you say? What, what's the twi- which Masters doesn't count according to you? Well, the six the sixteen Masters was staged. So that was that didn't happen, and the the sixteen PGA might not have happened either at Baltusrol. I, I remember one shot from that tournament, and it was Jason Day's eagle into eighteen on Sunday, because they yeah. played like forty five holes on. I mean, it was it was so it was such a weird event. Anyway, we don't need to talk about this. Um, what else you got, Mark? I, I want to ask you, Kip, back to sort of the caddying thing. I mean, you've been so insightful with your, your anecdotes from the players. You know, player-caddy relationship is very important. I mean, you guys spend more time together than you do with your greenskeeper, your wife, as you call That's her. Right. <laughs> um, when, when is it? When do you know that, hold on, this might be getting a bit stale and, and it might be time to move along? Do, does the caddy get a sense before the player gives the axe? Not every time. I'll tell you a story about that, but... Yes, it's uh, this last time that, you know, I was with Austin Cook the last two years before uh, at the end of last season. And, uh, you know, his rookie campaign was dynamite. And he did, we just missed making it to Atlanta. You know, he finished 36 or whatever on the, on the year in money list as a rookie with a win. And then uh, last year he, he, he took off our last season together. He took off the first two months of the winter with no golf and had his first child. And he came back out with snakes in his head and we struggled for a great portion of the year. We were up there a few times and fade away, but, uh, still our, our, uh, his, his, uh, he was fully exempt. You know, we, we didn't even make the playoffs in last year, last season. So we finished like 121 or whatever. No, it wasn't. It was 131 on the, on the, uh, FedEx race. So we didn't even make the playoffs. So I'm home for two days and just, you know, I'm just got me a little break and can't wait to get started with again. And then that call came and it said, Kip, I'm going a different direction. I was like, wow. Okay. Thanks a million, buddy. I appreciate it. And, and I mean, I was grateful and handled it right. And I said, thanks for all you did for my family and everything. But I didn't see that one coming. So you don't always see it coming, but uh, the relationship with the player caddy, I mean, Mark, people talk about, you know, as you, you do yards and you, this guy's good on the greens or whatever, you know, and, but there's nothing that a caddy does is is more important than having his guy be mentally strong. And that's mm-hmm. what we do. That's what the best caddies do. They help their guy forget about the bad crap and help them go forward and, and try, you know, you try and instill as much confidence in them as you can and, and say the right things. And, you, and, and, you know, you lay awake at night thinking, what can I do to help my guy be more confident tomorrow? That's what the that's what the best caddies do, in my opinion. Do you, do you find that that you talk about instilling confidence and building guys up mentally? Is that more important on a Thursday when you make three bogeys on the front, or is it more important on a Sunday when you're in the middle of it, when you're when you're in the middle of potentially winning a tournament? Fair question, but I I, I think it's more important uh, when you're awake. It's always the most important thing. Always, every day, Mondays traveling, you know, when you've had that bad finish on Sunday and you send them a text, dude, hang in there. We were close to here and you just missed here and that happened. You got a bad break. Everything's great, you know. Trust yourself and keep the pro- doing the process. So, but this game is maddening. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a game of hard knocks. For every one good thing that happens to you in the game of golf, 10 kick you right in the tail. You, you know, it's it, it's not even close to being even. You're getting, you get way more bad breaks than you get – Great, great, uh, great breaks. It seems when you're playing golf, and and like I say, you know, you you can miss two or three cuts in a row and then win the following week. It's 
it's just you gotta man it, you gotta be resilient and take the body blows so it's an incredible it's an incredible thing you know me getting to be out there on the fairways and watching the relationships and and just the different styles of individuals too uh, you, you talk about motivation and such and, and i don't think the folks on the other side of the ropes realize you know because when you've got a lead group on TV, you get the, the sound coming through the mics of the conversations and such. And, and some guys like your buddy Michael, he's just a sounding board. And Jordan's going a mile a minute and Michael's just nodding and, right. and going ahead. But, but some guys like yourself, I mean, I, I've, I've seen you in a young guy like Orson Cook's ear in the biggest way, just on his shoulder, on his wing, whispering to him all the time, you know, you got this. And, and a lot of it, to your point, is, is uplifting of, of, of your charge, basically. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's, that's what the best guys do out there. No doubt. But you know, uh, being with Stuart, <laughs> he's such a smart cat. I just say, I, I'm, I'm a yes man now more than I've ever been in my career. Yes. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fly this like 180 and let it roll four yards. Yes. I'll say yes a lot to my guys. So. I gotta, I gotta ask you this, I gotta ask you this one as a follow on. Um, there are those situations, and I've carried some. Uh, I try to avoid it because it's not the best jump. You know, it's a difficult oh. jump, it really is. Um, but then the player looks at you, and the player is confused, and you get that face that says, "Okay, what's the call?" And he's back and forth between something, and you make the call, and he goes with it, and he's over the golf ball. And I remember so many times going, "Sweet Jesus, please let this thing carry the front." You know, you, you know, you know yeah. that sensation. Talk about that stuff. <laughs> All the time, you know, there's, there's certain T balls, you know, that are in their heads, you know, that they've struggled with in the past. And I mean, you, you, you try and deliver the most confident, cocky, you know, pro, you know, just, it, 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 just aim it right there at the bunker. Your ball goes where you aim it. Just hit it at the bunker full trust. I mean, you're trying to say the right things, and then you walk over to the other ball, and you're like, <laughs> please come down somewhere out there where I can see it hit the ground. Ball's in the air, and you're like, please be right. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy and the money's gotten so good now out there i mean if you're if you can get a guy get up around that lead now man it gets exciting yeah for sure for sure there's especially at a at a you know the thinking about the players championship which obviously didn't get completed but 15 million dollar purse i mean it's it's crazy how much money has has changed over the years and i'm is that the is that the biggest difference than when you first started caddying? What 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 are the big changes that you've seen over the last fifteen years of caddying? Uh, the biggest change I've seen in, in fifteen years is the health, the 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 athletes coming to the game. You know, I uh, let's see, about two years ago, yeah, real close to two years ago, I went to caddy at the uh, U.S. Senior Open for uh, my friend Gibby Gilbert, and uh, he he made it to the field and up. I get there the first day, we walk out on the range, and it was like a range of little people. It was just like Tom Kite over hitting balls and, and just Lanny Watkins or whoever. You know, the guys are five, eight, five. And I don't know, God, it's all little people. Look what, what used to be in the game. Now you walk on a range on the PGA Tour. I mean, they're six, five, six, mm-hmm. four, six, three, six, five. They're, monsters are coming the athletes are coming to the game and and on top of that besides the athletes just guys are so much more prepared nowadays than they used to be with this the total game the teaching and the mental aspects and the i mean it's just there's just not you, you don't see very many uh like this matt wolf kid or what his name 
you don't see that anymore, but you see it with him, but you don't see guys coming out with odd swings like the old days, man. It's, the training is, is too good, and the videos are too good. Guys come out with perfect golf swings now for the most part. You make such a good point about the size because I think I've injured my left shoulder from holding the microphone sort of above my head to interview these guys. I mean, guys like Jamie, Lovemark, and, and they're imposing. I mean, they look like linebackers, a bunch of these guys. It's amazing, the athletes in the game now. It's just going to keep getting better and better. And, you know, they dropped this cut thing. What do you guys think about that? They dropped the cut thing to 65 and ties, right? Is that ties, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling you, there's going to be a tournament come around soon and it may have already happened where you're going to be five shots out of the lead and gone. I, I think mean, it's, it's happened already happen. to be honest with uh, you. I think it's happened already to be honest with you. I mean, place like Torrey Pines where conditions are difficult and a bunch of guys are lurking around par. Yeah. yeah it's it, it, the, the old 10 shot rule is long gone, man. I tell you what, yeah. you better be going. There's no, you know, the Tigers, what did he make? 125 in a row or something like that. That'll mm-hmm. never be sniffed again. It just ain't happening. Yeah, I think it was one one forty one in a row, which that, is just. I mean, that's that's far. I mean, that really and truly, that 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 stat will hold up longer than Byron Nelson's eleven in a row, which I said is the most impossible stat in all of sporting. Will never be touched. And then I remember Tiger got to like eight, and I was like, "Well, that's going to get <laughs> too. The impossible things fixing to get beat." But current I've, record right now is Morikawa with twenty one, and that's one of those young guns that come out. I mean, have you watched uh, Colin Morikawa hit it? We've got paired with him. Uh, in fact, we played with him at Dago, and uh, I was super impressed with his putting and his attitude was fat, but his ball striking was – of course, it was cold and windy there, so you can't judge. But I didn't I didn't think that much of his ball hitting at the time, but it was so brutally – it was mm. such a tough week to be playing. So, obviously, if you're making 21 cuts in a row, he's doing some serious ball striking, but I just didn't get to see it the days that we got paired with him. Mark said, he's a, get, Mark said he's a better iron player than Tiger. Hey, said, calm down, Emily. <laughs> you literally, you literally okay, well, said welcome that. Welcome to the Carl and Mark show. This, the, this will go on the entire show, right? That'll <laughs> go on for as long as we, you and I, have a podcast together. I will bring up that you said that Colin Morikawa is a better iron player than Tiger Woods. I'm <laughs> the number one the Tiger fan on earth, boys. Uh, uh, I, uh, how hard would it be to caddy for Tiger Woods? I, I want to ask you that one. That's a good question. I, don't know. I know you know, uh, that, but I think it would be pretty easy. He's, I think he he gets it. Uh, you know, I was I was shocked when uh, you could see their their kind of relationships towards the end when Tiger. Remember when Tiger hit driver on three at Augusta and shot it into the trees? Remember that? Remember that? Y'all remember what that? Year was that? It's like six years ago or whatever. It was the. Towards the end with Stevie. Yeah, with Williams still in the bag, yeah. Yeah, and, and Tiger t- said, Stevie taught me to didn't drive on three. It was dumb. You know, I was like, wow, he took a shot at Steve in the in the press on television. I thought that was odd. But I don't think – I think Tiger's so chill and cool, and I think it would be incri- – and, of course, obviously, your pocketbook would show, but uh, <laughs> working for Tiger I don't think would be very difficult. I really don't think it would be difficult at all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I've got to ask you this question because, you know, I often interview young players and walking onto a PGA Tour range for the first time as a rookie or a youngster and you get there and you see the Woods and the Els and the VJs and the McElroys and company. For a young caddy walking onto the uh, driving range, uh, it's got to be a wild experience, isn't it? I mean, it is. And when, when you get on the course too, and then you get grouped with, or on you, you won't be with them on Thursday, Friday. But something happens, and all of a sudden, you got Woods in a group with you on the weekend. What does that feel like? Well, you know what? You know what's amazing? It took me, Trevor. It took me 13 years to get Tiger pairing one time, right. and it happened in the playoffs on a Saturday uh, in the uh, Cookies rookie year. It was on. Let's see, was his, yeah, it was his rookie year because it was in the playoffs and we didn't make them. So it took me 13 years to get a pair with Tiger, and that was cool. It was like the greatest day I've ever had caddy, and really, uh, uh, not the greatest, but it was really a special day. But he you, walks up on the tee, sticks his hand out, and goes, Hey, Kipper. And I'm like, You've done your homework before you came over here. You don't know who the hell I am. But surely you're walking around trying your best not to step on through lines and stuff on the greens, right? You're oh, little. Yeah. Pair, aren't you? No doubt. You're scared. Anytime you get like paired with VJ, you know he's this guy, this bear that walks around this intimidating the snot out of everybody. You really only you gotta be on your P's and Q's right there. And when <laughs> and if and if I'm having to think about stuff like that, I don't caddy very good, man. It's there's it, a lot more goes on out there to carrying that bag than people think. You gotta really be on your toes, you know, when you're talking and walking around and working for the other caddies and cleaning the other guys' balls and stuff. It's I mean, you're there's cleaning their balls. More. Easy. This is a family show, brother. <laughs> there's there's definitely an art to it. Just from having, I've played in a couple pro ams and just having been around guys, you're like, oh, this is not it. There, there's a ton going on, and oh, so much more going on than you see on TV, right? It, yeah, it doesn't seem like it until you get out there. You're like, oh my, it feels like things are. We always joke like things are moving quickly. Like things are moving very quickly. Whenever, even just like a a stupid pro am that you're playing. In. I'm curious about this because. This is something that Mark and I holler at each other about a lot. And I want to get your take because I know you talk to players a ton. You're around players a ton. What is the what is the primary measure of success that players talk about? Because I think fans look at wins and that's it. And it's like, man, so much of winning is just luck. And you talked about like getting the right breaks and whatever. So what do players talk about when they talk about success? Is it top tens? Is it made cuts? Is it strokes gained? Like what, what what's the primary conversation? Station there you mean the players delivering to us or players talking to, to each other or themselves or what what are you talking what's the question i'm confused <laughs> yeah i guess to players talking to them i was like, trying to get you to acknowledge that strokes gained is a really important thing no i i just i just mean like players talking to each other like what do they consider to be a six a successful season is it they were ranked this high in strokes gained is it is it money earned is it no. what what is it 
I think it's two things. It's money earned and wins. I think there's nothing else that matters really. I mean, all stats are, I'm no stat guy whatsoever. And I can, I mean, stats are, are exactly this, that stats. We, we pair with, uh, at the Honda, we got paired with Luke Donald and, uh, you know, it's just like a month ago. And Luke Donald's got it over number eight green. He's hit something, a flyer, wrong club, whatever. He's over eight green. And the pin's cut back against him. And the I'm sitting there looking at him, and I look over at the scoreboard, and it says Luke Donald is 82nd from this distance on the PGA Tour. And I go, I bump Stewart. I go, there's why you don't look at stats. or I mean, you can look at stats and, and gain some knowledge out of them, but that's that's crap. You know, the guy's got to be top five easy. And then he had another spot on 10 where he'd miss the green and he's pitching. And it said he's in the middle of the field from this distance. You know, it was like he was 150th from this distance off the green. And I go, God, that means he's like 150. They said he's average. And so I said, that means there's 150 guys better than Luke Donald from this because they count like 300 guys, right? And those stats. So stats are overrated. I know you can, uh, the smart, the smart people argue with me, but. It's it's about money and wins. And for me, it's just wins, believe it or not. I'm as dumb as I am and as broke as I am. All I talk about with Stuart Sink is how can we win? What do we got to do to win, <laughs> win, win? You know, and his, his the way he plays the game, he's a cut. We've only met, we've only missed one cut in nine events. So he's made eight out of nine cuts. He's a cut-making machine. And you would think I'd be all about that, but it's not. For me, there's just something about just winning golf tournaments. It's, it's all, that's where, that's all that matters to me. Kyle is handsome and smart. Are you cackling, Mark? <laughs> Mark's all, Mark, Mark thinks that... Uh, there's the value- one thing. I'm going to say this, Kip. The bottom right block on the scorecard is the most important thing there is. Right? The total. But Wait, hold on, hold on. Mark thinks that uh, FedEx Cup points are a, like a legitimate currency. Like he thinks that <laughs> he thinks that you can like buy stock with FedEx Cup points. So well, you got a bunch of them. You effectively can. You just they translate to dollars. I wish they would go back to dollars. I don't like keeping points race. Do you? I like the dollar uh, sitting there. Don't you? Isn't that a better way of yes. doing it? I, I like dollars because we're going to keep the money anyway. So we might right. as well just use that for everything. Yeah, keeping the FedEx, uh, you got three FedEx points. Who cares, you know? <laughs> you got Let's, three FedEx points. It wasn't a very good week. <laughs> how many numbers are left of that comma? That's important. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's, who's, the guy, who's the guy out there that you have been paired with or that you've just watched or whatever, and you're like, man, that guy's underrated. Like, people don't know how good he is. Like, there's a misperception of... Uh, what people think he is versus how good he actually is. I'm all, uh, Charlie Hoffman, of course, you know, the guy's up there a lot. and is, But really and truly, that, that that guy hasn't won more golf tournaments is mind-blowing to me because, I mean, you go out with Charlie, it's nailed and it's a little tiny cut every time. And his short game is dynamite. And his stroke is dynamite. And I'm like, why ain't that guy winning golf terms? Now, the last couple of years, he's really been up there a lot. You know, he still's not winning, but – He's up there a lot, so he's getting recognized as such a great. But the, you know, when he when he first got out there on tour, God, he was. I'm like, this guy's the best, and he 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 didn't he wasn't showing it in those days. But let me think about if there's any other great underachievers out there. 
Underachievers. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's a bunch of them I can't think of them right off, but I talk about it all the time to my player. But we talk players and caddies talk about each other uh, players' games and yeah, and there's a lot goes on. What uh, what about just like the 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 nicest guy that you've been paired with? I won't ask the opposite of these questions, but just somebody that people might not be aware of that he's just a good dude. Like he's just fun to play with, fun to be out there with, and and be paired with. You know, Ernie uh, is is tough on his caddies, and it's it's quietly nailing his caddies. So a lot of people don't get to hear it. He's he's tough on his guy, but there's nobody cooler to go out with than Ernie. Ernie's mm-hmm. as chill as he can be, but there's so many nice. I mean, I, there's a guy we just play with Pebble with somebody. This is of course I got paired. I love going out with Mickelson, man. I think he's one of the best guys to go out with. You know, he talks a lot, and I guess. <laughs> The players don't want to talk to him as much, so he'll talk to the caddies a lot. <laughs> I love going out with that dude, man. He's the best. He's always that guy. He'll come by and he'll say your name, and I mean that guy's on top of his his game. You know, a lot of the players, you know, don't care for him, but and think he's fake. But I, I think he's. I love the guy. What grinds your gears the most? I mean, what uh, as a caddy when you're out there, have you got like a pet peeve that players or other caddies will will get up to that bothers bothers you? You know, uh, my pet peeve, any any guy that's nasty to his caddy consistently, that's that that's really grinds my gears. You know, I get it. We're, if you're if you're caddying and your guy's wanting information and you give it to him and you send him over the green or whatever, you're going to get nailed. It's part of the job. But for a guy who's constantly, I see some of these guys, and if the fans heard it, they would it would blow. I, I won't call out any names, but man, I can think of. 20, 30 guys right off. Nah, not that many. 10 guys that are just brutal to their 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 caddy. Just brutal. There's one top name guy that the fans love that just treats his guy like crap, and, and I just can't stand the guy because of it. I'm going to have to get yeah, that it, name after we're done recording here. Yeah, okay. Oh, Cal's going to be specific. Look, he's careful because he's a journalist. He's a reported deep guy. Hey. It's all off the record. I mean, this is on the record, but everything else is off the record. Off the record. I, but, but, I got some great stories. But what's the rule, Kipper? Like, like left and right, that's the players' uh, players' deal, long and short is the caddies' deal. The caddy. right? I think yeah. so. Yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being with us, Matt. Is there, I mean, you got so many great stories, and you such a ride on social media. Before we let you go, big guy, one more story, because golfers right now – Everyone's cooped up with themselves, and there's no PGA Tour golf, no golf around the place, and everyone's just aggravated. So lighten the mood with just one more story. Goodness, I have a, I think a, a Benji, the caddy, you know, caddies for uh, Thompson, Lexi Thompson. He's like my biggest, he's my buddy, but he's my biggest fan too. The guy gets me gigs, telling stories and stuff all the time. But I gotta fly by the seat of my pants. My best story. We could do a podcast on my best story, but it take it takes about five minutes, and it's. Funny. We got time. Go ahead. Uh, five minutes. You want me to tell my story? Jake, we're good. Jake's nodding. Let, let's go. Yeah, do it. Let's All go. Right. So a hundred years ago, uh, I'm a club pro. You know, I was a club pro for almost, let's see, I was a club pro for 25 years. So a uh, hundred years ago, uh, when I was a young kid playing, this guy at my club, uh, he played college golf. I was still in high school. He said he had a bad crick in his neck at the golf tournament. He said he went to the trainer. The trainer popped his neck, and it went away. And, he, and I used to get cricks all the time in my neck, you know, two or three times a year. And, I mean, there's no golf for, like, three days when they came on. So I got this huge money match set up in Crossville, Tennessee. I wake up in the morning. 
and I've got a crit. I mean, I am paralyzed. So I, I can't miss this. This we got the biggest suckers coming into town. We're going to rob them. I know I'm going to make some money. I'm playing great. <laughs> so uh, sissy, you know the greenskeeper. She gives me uh, two <laughs> tiny muscle relaxers. Okay. So I take one instantly, and and I said, I'm going to go try and play. I'm like this, you know. I don't think I can even swing. So I start heading out. I leave early enough to go eat breakfast and stuff, and I'm going to get there in time to hit balls. And I start thinking, hey, back in the, when I was a kid, the guy said the chiropractor popped his neck. I'm going to bust right in here this chiropractor. The game's like at noon. This is like 10 o'clock, but I'm in a hurry. I go busting into the chiropractor's office, Okay. I go walking in there and I say, hey, uh, I'd love to see the chiropractor real fast. You know, I have a crick in my neck. And she says, here, you have to fill out this paperwork first. And I go, crap. So I pull the, the thing over. And I fill it out. Do you got blood in your urine? No, no, no. Are you allergic? No, no, no. I'm run it back up there to her. You know, I'm in a hurry. She goes, did you fill out the other side? I'm like, yank it back. So I go fill out the other side and run it back up there. I said, oh, I just got a crick in my neck. I just want to see the doc lady pop my neck. She goes, okay, so we'll be with you in a few minutes. I'm watching my watch. So finally, see, uh, Calvin Henley come back here. So I go back there, and a uh, nurse goes over the chart with me again. I'm like, I just filled it out. Yes, it's all accurate. That's it. So I need to see the doctor. I got a curriculum and I need pop. Finally, the doctor walks in. So I'm sitting there on the examination table. He comes walking in, and he goes, hey, what's up, Calvin? I said, you know, I was in high school. My buddy had a crick and popped. His trainer pops his neck. I, just, I got a crick, and I've got a golf match, and I was kind of hoping you'd pop my neck and let me take off and play golf. He goes, well, let's check you out. And I thought, okay, we're finally getting somewhere, you know. So he straight, he says, lay down on the table. And he goes down the back of the bottom of the table. And he puts the legs out. And he goes, uh-huh, just as I thought. I said, what? He goes, you got one leg longer than the other. And I said, what? I said, I have a crick in my He goes, yeah, but you got a crick in your neck because you push the leg longer than the other, puts pressure on your back. So that's why you got a crick in your neck. I said, I kind of hope you just pop my neck and I take off. He goes, now nah, we'll do some therapy on you. So I said, oh, crap. <laughs> so I lay down on the, he said, just lay down right here on this thing. And it's like a massage table. You know, you got your head in that crack. And so I'm laying there and he goes, we're going to put some uh, uh these heat packs on you. So then I'm looking at the, the nurse opens up this metal thing and smoke comes billowing out of there. You know, she pulls out these hot packs, these heavy hot packs, and puts them on my back. And I kind of turn around and say, yeah, I might have a crick in my neck. My back is, feels great. This will loosen up. This is the whole thing. You know, you got to do that. Okay. So I'm laying there looking through that crack, looking at my watch under that crack under the table. And so I sit there 15 minutes. I say, oh, my God, I'm going to miss my tea time now. I'm not going to get their balls. So finally, the doctor comes walking there. He goes, how you feeling? I go, my neck hurts like crazy. My back feels great, you know. He goes, well, we're going to put some electrical currents on there, and that'll, that'll help you loosen up. And I start saying, electrical currents? I got water dripping off my back. Elect electricity, water, no. <laughs> so he says, we'll do this. And so he puts these electrodes on there. So I'm <laughs> I'm laying there on this. Oh, I cut you off. Did no, I lose you? Got, you? No, you oh, got to no. keep going. We got you. So I'm laying there on this table. Can you see me? Oh, I can see you, but talk loud. So I'm laying there on this table, and he pulls these electrodes on my back. So I'm laying there like this right here, and he goes, now I turn these things on. He goes, tell me if it becomes uncomfortable. So he puts them right under the heat pack under the water. I'm like, this is great. So I'm laying there. He turns it on, and involuntarily, 
all of a sudden, my right arm goes zap up and down and go, uncomfortable, uncomfortable. <laughs> and he goes, oh, man, I had that thing on high. Sorry. He turns it back down. So I'm laying there, and uh, zap, this arm goes up. And then it sits there for about a second, and then it drops back down. So I'm sitting there with this thing up for 10 minutes. I'm looking, trying to watch it zap, pull my arm back under, trying to see my watch. I can't see it. He comes walking back in. He goes, how you feeling? Like 15 minutes later, I go, man, my back feels great. I have this crick that's killing me. <laughs> so finally, you know, he stretches me out on the table. And he rocks right there behind me. And I'm just sitting there relaxed, you know, feel like Gumby. I got the, the uh, muscle relaxers kicking in. And all of a sudden, he goes, crack. I'm like, oh, 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 good God, that hurts so bad. And uh, he goes, how you feeling? But anyway, so I get up and you know, it was it was like 1988 or something. I get up and hand him $40 to walk out there like, oh, thanks a million, bud. It's this is the worst thing ever. But And you still got one leg shorter than the, than the other in the cricket. I, I think my legs match, believe it or not. I don't think he's full of crap. But that's my golf show. story. It's a long one. Did you win yeah, the match? Did you, did you win the match? Honest to God, so I walk out, I hand him my 40 bucks, you know, I walk out there like Frankenstein, and I pop the other muscle relaxer on the way to the, the, the thing. I don't got time to hit balls, but it's at a nine-hole little rink-a-dink golf course, and I played 36 holes with no bogeys that day. It just absolutely robbed those guys, so it was a great day. <laughs> what a super story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long one. That's amazing. Carl, I, I, Carl, I, got not, I can't talk. You you go, Carl. You can't. Uh... I that's I think that's all we got. Um, <laughs> you got there's nothing to that you you can't top that. I mean I don't that. know I don't know I don't know how to segue that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Kip, thanks for your time, man. You can follow Kip uh, on Twitter at Kip Henley, and uh, yeah, we will be back. I believe later this week, Friday, I think, uh, with some more content. We're just gonna keep we're gonna keep diving into the archives. We're gonna we're gonna keep handing out awards. We might we might have a regular segment with Kip. Who knows how this is gonna go and and when we're gonna be back with golf. But uh, Kip, appreciate. To, I'm doing nothing else, boys. So you can have me on. I'm sitting here bored to tears. That's kind of where we're all at. So thanks for your time again, and uh, thanks to everybody for listening to the First Cut podcast. Guys, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you.